I am a notorious curmudgeon. I don't like things. This is part of why we do this podcast. If you have a Bills podcast, I'd probably hate it. Or I would hate it if I listened to it. I'm not trying to rally you up here. I'm just trying to make sure you understand the gravity of what I am about to say next in that I really loved Bills and Beers. And I'm really going to miss them while they're gone. They were our older brother-sister podcast, and we lost them this week to the usual culprits of time and energy and distance. The landscape of not just Bill's podcast and blogcast, but really everywhere, is that everything here is trying to sell you something else or promote the host to the next level of media, largely so they can sell you something else. And, And bless your heart if that's you or if you like that kind of stuff. But for me, what makes this form of media special is its intimacy. It is personal. You don't have to be anyone but yourself, and you don't have to get anyone's permission. If you have a microphone and the internet, you can just share a genuine experience. And if you're lucky, someone listening will share it with you. Bills and Beers was, I like to say, thoughtfully buzzed. It was a smart talk about the Bills with just enough passion and extra hops to slur your speech a little and make you feel a bit like you were shouting over the other patrons at a bar. The confusing medium between buzzed and agitated. Not sure if you ate too much or too little during the game. There is no other feeling like how you feel right after a game. Win or more often than not around these last 12 years, losing. Balancing what happened with what you're feeling, with what was good about it and what was bad about it. And of course, if you're sticking around for one more, what are you drinking? A Labatt or a Jenny? Adrenaline's at a fever pitch. Someone makes a tacos caliente joke that goes over like a lead balloon. But do you want to answer this wacky wild card bar question? And is he going to put the band on the jukebox again? Or is he just talking smack to the other Patriot fan over there? Bills and Beers did exactly that for 12 years. It was so gratifying to have someone else share their genuine experience of Bills games. And doubly so because it is one of the th- one the three of us. We probably would fail if we tried to recreate that. They shared their joy of Buffalo Bills football in a way that, frankly, I am jealous of. Whereas our show feels like the water cooler the day or two after the game, B&B gave us the bar, the stadium, the living room at your friend's house right after the clock at zero. So Lars, Cass, Suge, Bill, and Jeff, you gave us something we could not get anywhere else. Our show started because we couldn't get to the bar as often anymore. Bills and Beers brought that atmosphere to us, and we I will be forever thankful for to I will be forever thankful to them for that. And going into a season where the expectations have never been higher for our club, we are all the poorer for that type of show of theirs being gone. I envisioned a long future of Bill's podcasting where we would do each other's shows and rib on each other. Yours was longer, ours had more episodes. It reminds me of when Edge had to relinquish the WWE championship because he was injured. It's not how you wanted a championship run to end. I mean, did you really think you were getting out of here without a wrestling reference? But Edge came back. Maybe Bills and Beers will too. Maybe, dare I say, next year. Until then, you always have a home here with us. And we say Godspeed and all the best. All right. Welcome, everyone, to an episode of Maybe Next Year, the longest-running Bills podcast 
in the human history. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. And Paul is somewhere. He's Paul muted. Put, he's muted, put, put together a great agenda. Yep, and I, I am Paul, and I made a terrible joke, and I'm so glad I was on mute. <laughs> now, I will not repeat that joke. So it worked yeah. perfectly. Very good. It would not be the first time that, that Paul <laughs> spoke before he thought. Anyway, um, thanks for indulging me, you two. And, um, oh, no, that, that, that was great. With I, that. I had the pleasure of uh, being on that, that show uh it was it was so fun interacting with with Lars and the crew we had we had Cassie on this show Suge yep. was probably the most uh fanatical uh one of the most fanatical Bills fans I've ever met whenever I, I didn't ever meet him I mean but who I ever listened to and so uh there was no lack of passion on that pod and and that will uh be highly missed and we will do our best to to carry the torch sounds yeah. like a good one I should yeah. try and uh, I should try and listen sometime yeah when now the, that it's all on they, Netflix now that it's all on Netflix, you could just binge the whole 12 years. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I should do that. Yeah. No, no, I, I genuinely, like, get frustrated with other things. And, and their show, uh, once I got over myself, I really liked. And I really began to appreciate, man, like, we we don't do this. And th- that's why it was so great. Because it was something that we didn't do that also was genuine and cool. And um that is for them, and we hope that we have not heard the last of them. Uh, I heard Lars is already like tweeting way too much now. Now he has no bills out, no <laughs> podcasting outlet. He's just like tweet this, tweet that. Anyway, uh, best of luck to those guys. Um, best of luck to the Buffalo Bills, who it's football season, gentlemen. In a scant few hours, uh, the first football game of the year will be played. Um, the Bills finished their preseason undefeated by beating Green Bay. I couldn't tell you the score, and I am not going to pull up the box. I'm sorry. What I know is that Josh Allen didn't get hurt, and he threw the ball, and they looked great. And uh, you couldn't ask for much more than that. Um, but we would be remiss not to talk about that or any uh, of the final roster impressions, uh, including the the usual dance of cutting a guy and, and telling him to stick around. That was Reed Ferguson this year who made room while they put a few guys on the, on the, the IR list. Um, I, I don't know if like, uh, I guess there's probably some surprises with the roster, Scott, but um, let me ask you first, were you, were you su- surprised by anything? I, 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 I guess I'm only surprised that they seem to have, have fit everybody. And I think Jacob Hollister comes up as a name that they were kind of surprised that he was cut because they brought him in. But I'm, I'm eager to hear your, your initial thoughts on, either the Green Bay finale or the, the roster. I mean, I'll go to the, I mean, I think I'll just briefly say that like the finale was nice. It was nice to see him. Obviously Green Bay seemed like they were kind of going through their paces a bit. So I'm not going to take it to the bank. Obviously the defense didn't look quite as good. Obviously they had some great stands, but, um, but Green Bay's got good players on offense, even Jordan Love and Brian Rogers. Um, a little concerned about that, but but you know whatever. It's the first first week of the season. I'm not gonna freak out about yes, it. Yes, the, the defense only pitched a shutout. No, but to be fair, Green Bay moved the ball. So yes, I, I get what you're exactly. Saying. Like it it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like a, a clean sheet stone wall uh, on some level. I mean, it technically is a clean sheet. Yes, but um, but anyway, uh, in terms of the roster, yeah, I mean, it is uh, it is kind of hard to describe something that is abnormal but expected because it is not normal for a team to have i think in my opinion like this few cornerbacks on the roster um and this few 
um, tight ends on the roster. I mean, I get, you know, like, you know, there's, there's, we wanted to keep 10 defensive linemen or whatever it was, 11, I think the number was at the end. Um, and obviously we love our wide receiver depth and that's all good, but there's a finite number of those guys on the field and, you know, it, it and, and it's good because we got Cam Lewis back on the practice squad. We got Wild Goose on the practice squad. Um, that I'm a little less con- concerned on because obviously those guys will be local and we can kind of bring them up quick. Um, so I'm not going to like freak out about it or anything. But ultimately, like that, that is still an area of concern for me, especially because Jackson and Wallace, Wallace were both dinged up already in the preseason. And then on the tight end thing. You know, we have a very dynamic wide receiving core, and I think that's the point is that we're going to rely on them to move the ball down the field. Um, but having versatile tight ends that can be a reliable option um, does do things for the offense. And I'd say one of two positions needs to kind of get better from 2020 to 2021 for the Bills on offense, and it was either going to be have to be the running backs or it was going to have to be the tight ends. And maybe the running backs – are going to be better. You know, they, they looked a little more competent in the preseason. Of course, obviously it's still early, um, but I don't think it's going to be the tight ends. And, you know, obviously the team did a good job moving the ball last year, but it is, um, you know, every week there's more film, um, you know, things change, matchups are, are, are tough, whatever it is, uh, the more weapons you have, the easier it is. So those are my um, strictly Debbie Downer, nitpicky thoughts on otherwise what is obviously a, a very <laughs> top to the bottom you know a top five nfl roster so it's xyz uh you get an a right um <laughs> I, I heard an interesting theory paul maybe you heard this that that maybe emmanuel sanders was going to sort of line up in some of these like tight end passing positions like he might be mm-hmm. that guy that they might just sort of you know forego a traditional tight end sometimes but have that guy have him in the passing options and then leave the other two more for when they, they intend to have blocking. But I don't know if that makes sense or, or anything. I don't know. But but why don't you give us your thoughts on everything, too? Yeah, I, I hadn't heard about Sanders. And that would be interesting if they did that, because you're looking at a, a 34-year-old, 5'11", 180-pound receiver. I expect, Maybe it wasn't Sanders. It maybe, might be I, Reggie Gilliam. You're maybe Reggie of. Gilliam. I don't know why I said yeah. Sanders. Okay, yeah. Right. I think that makes sense, because he was a tight end officially last year. He started as a fullback. I think I moved to tight end before week one. And then this preseason, he went back to to fullback and even had some carries. So I would not be surprised. I guess I'll start with it. Well, I'll start with the finale first and then quickly mention that. Uh, yeah, the Green Bay finale, we don't need to talk about it. It was nice. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, I will say it was a fun watch because the Bills marching down the field at will in a hurry up offense was reminiscent of the no huddle of the 90s. And that was mm-hmm. a nice nostalgic feeling for me and an enjoyable way to end the preseason roster so yeah the that doesn't concern me too much and i think scott hit on something when he noted that you know they're gonna have to improve the tight ends or the running backs based on what they were saying and then they went ahead and did really neither of those things and i really i'm thinking that i wonder if they're going to go full-on houston oilers run and shooter you know early off to the 90s we're just gonna have four receivers out there much of the time that's why you have seven on the i guess you have six on the active roster because marquez stevenson's on the uh, short-term IR list right now. Yep. And, you know, if that's what your, you know, your your plan is, is just roll four receivers in there with more regularity. So when they're in a blocking situation, put Gilliam in there, put Tommy Sweeney in there. Uh, but yeah, the Hollister cut was a surprise to me. I think what was interesting, uh, kind of the same boat as 
is Scott. I don't think there were any real surprises on who made the roster. I think Hollister is the only one you look at as being cut here. Kind of like, hmm. But I don't think they kept any undrafted rookie free agents. There are no Delshawn Phillipses this season, uh, which is, of course, a great sign of the depth of this team. They did keep 11 defensive linemen, one of whom is not Daryl Johnson, who's a, a great special teams player uh, with potential as a pass rusher. But he was buried on the depth chart and they got a draft pick for him. So so Godspeed. I think this is well constructed. They get their top two QBs on the roster. They get two other QBs on the practice squad. I think all the talk in the offseason about doing more in the running game is now just going to be talk, as I I referenced earlier. I I don't think they're going to put a huge emphasis on it. We'll see if Matt Breida is active on game day or not. We saw him doing some things that Isaiah McKenzie used to do in terms of that jet sweep type motion uh, and even got a carry in that formation. So maybe they'll do that for some misdirection. But yeah, for despite some of my the critiques I'd make, I'm like, you really need Tyrell Dodds and Andre Smith, both on the roster and both on special, you know, primarily special teamers. Do you, you really don't have that depth at corner that we were hoping to see with, you know, Wallace and Jackson on the active roster and Lewis and Griffin on the uh, practice squad or Griffin is that's one who's uh orangey's son, right? Really? I think so. Google that. Uh, I will finish my rant and Frank will have yeah. an answer for us. Um, okay. So, you know, I, I was a little worried about some of the depth there. They kept Wild Goose, most importantly. Yeah, Elijah uh, Griffin is contained. Um, and all right, we've taught Frank something new uh, today about the Bills roster. How did we go a whole offseason without <laughs> somebody telling me this? I feel like I mentioned it on Twitter once. but That I is think... not this podcast. I... No, that is not. All right. I feel so... like I give our offseason an F now that we did not. <laughs> so regulate jokes. Okay, He's still on the practice squad. We still have uh, chance. All right, but we gotta wait till like he. All right, and it's fine. Go ahead. Yeah, finish but, your but yeah, that's that's basically like like Scott. These are my complaints, and I will give the caveat that this is the best roster they've had in a quarter century. So, uh, there that's maybe what better. So yeah, maybe better. So maybe better. Good it's dog, hard. well managed. I like the practice squad. We're sorry, Christian Wade got a season-ending injury, or at least I am. And uh, yeah, good, 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 uh, good vibes going into the season. Paul, what did you mean by season overview? Did you want to go through the just, season? Or yeah, not you... like an individual game by game, but like I, I will introduce this segment now that you have transitioned it yes. to me. Um, so this is the highest expectation we have had going into okay. any season. We, you know, there's impressions of the weather go 13-3, 12-4, et cetera. We can give our overall prediction later, but I will just, I guess I will quickly open this segment just by saying that there's kind of a sense of nervousness for me that, you know, there's there's only one thing that the team can do this season that's going to make it not a disappointment. And we all know what that is. And, you know, we have not had this exp- these expectations in the 16 years we've known each other. And then now this is our 10th season doing this pod. And, we, and not for years before that has this existed. And so I started thinking about, oh, our rotating guards, you know, being is that can be a problem because, you know, they don't have they haven't settled on those interior linemen yet. But instead, I feel like I don't know how to quite feel about this season because we have the grandest of grand expectations now for the first time ever. And it should be a lot of fun. And yet part of me feels we can only be let down uh, or if it doesn't get to that. And I just want to know if you guys had any. 
impressions going into the season on on what you expect to to happen? That's a great question. Scott, you go first. I mean, I think when I think about the season, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 not so much um concern or or like afraid of disappointment, but it is it is nervousness. Um I guess in a just kind of like not to get like real deep and like take this to another level. But life is short, man. <laughs> like Amen, life, brother. Amen. Eat Arby's. And, and, and specifically the time that you get in the NFL with a good quarterback, let alone a good quarterback on a rookie contract, mm-hmm. is very, very small. And last year was great. And it's tough to be disappointed with last year. But at the same time, like that was year three. We got year four. We got year five. And then the numbers start changing. And things get a little more complicated. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's not going to work. I'm just saying it's going to get more complicated. Right. So it's um, like, I and obviously like we got Alan long-term so that, you know, it, it takes a little of the edge off in that, but like things change coat, you know, Dable gets a new job in the off season, whatever. Frazier gets a new job in the off season, you know, somebody retires early things happen. And so the the nervousness that I have, and it's, it is partly excitement because of what it can be and that the ceiling is there mm-hmm. where, you know, we can't say that the ceiling is the playoffs or, or the championship game. Now the ceiling is the ceiling is winning the Super Bowl, But the idea that you're going to have a finite ability to have this kind of team put together, it just makes it like, you know, I, I hope that the, the players understand how rare this opportunity is. And I, I would hope that they do, and I think that's obviously the, the coach's job, and they're all professionals getting paid money. But I think they, I hope they know that you only get a couple shots like this. Um, you know, the Patriots are a very unique story in their in their kind of level of dominance and being in the game and a part of the a part of the finale for 15, 20 seasons in a row. Um, that is not how it goes normally. So I just hope that everyone's trying to strap in and understand like. We don't get a lot of shots at this, guys. You gotta, you gotta try and put it together now. Um, so, I, it's, it's, it's nervousness. I guess that's what I would say. Okay, that's good. That's, I'm glad we're all getting this off our chest, guys. And I think that, um, I think that that all makes a lot of sense. Uh, what I, because I, I'd have these thoughts. More important, more likely, I was listening. I, this is what the radio chatter has been too, right? Like, what's the expectations? How do you do this? We are not used to this sort of position in a long time. Scott, I think the alumni also are going to play a part in making sure that this team understands the, the limited number of chances you get at championships, because I think some of the prominent alumni sort of, you know, if you at least in some of those documentaries, we're talking about how like the first few chances they didn't really realize it. And there was some article on WGR about. Um, I think it was like a Nate Geary article or something. And he written like, you know, the window is just opening and it's not Super Bowl or bust for the Bills. And it was like, you're going to have this long, great window. And to me, and as baseball fans, you'll appreciate this. That felt like an article somebody wrote in 2013 about the Washington Nationals. Or yeah. it felt like something somebody wrote in 1997 about the Braves. And mm-hmm. it's one of those things where, yeah, you, it looks good. 
but there's, you know, there's no guarantee, right? Like, you know, and then when you do win the World Series, at least with the Nationals, it's not with like half the guys you thought it was going to be. It's with these other guys you never even knew about. And so um, you don't know what the window is. And I think that that is uh, a testament. Life is short. That is a that is a truism. But I think the uh, the what I have come to how I have come to reconcile that is that for the first time, certainly since we've been doing this podcast um, and first time in a while, this is the best team that you can put. You can't actually, I don't think you could put together a better team than the Buffalo Bills. I, I, I think short of having free reign to pick any player in the league and do it, um, like maybe you could do that. But this is it. They they are at the pinnacle, and where we are now is that part of where bad things happen to good teams, good things happen to bad teams, and all you can do is prepare as much as you can, and it's and it's time to play the game. It's time to roll the dice, and that to me is why I'm not thinking that far ahead to Super Bowl because it should be an enjoyable experience week in and week out with this team. You know, the build towards those things should be good. Barring injury, barring some craziness, um, it they, they should be an excellent football team. And then when you get to the playoffs, the playoffs are built to, to ruin good teams. That's what they do. That's what they're there for. The only caveat is, excuse me, is that in football, it doesn't happen as often that really the best teams do tend to to win. Um, so I think they've set themselves up for the best chance possible. And that's all we can do. That's all that's all Brandon Bean and, and Sean McDermott and Josh Allen and the rest of the game can do is be prepared and go forward and play your best. So I am trying to view the short term day by day and not stress so much the rest of uh, the uncertain existence that is football so to sum up live <coughs> for the day and life is short that's Car- what everyone should get out of that segment <clears throat> carpe diem speaking of life is short and live for today we need to build a new stadium in a few years <laughs> um and spend a lot of money and tax you for it um <laughs> and uh, this segment was built for frank yes <laughs> yes uh look uh, let me start off with the positives i like the idea that it's going to be a smaller stadium um, I think that that probably makes a lot of set given all the things that are possible, the best possible thing would be to build an 80,000 state foot, an 80,000 seat stadium with no suites and just, it would be a college atmosphere. And that's what most people would want right in Buffalo. But right. Given and downtown that, and maybe with a, a retractable roof. Right. And, things. and given that that's not going to happen, Sorry, I got a little dry spot in the back of my throat. Given that that's not going to happen, the idea of minimizing costs, including building costs, and putting it where it's supposed to be, and, you know, trying to manage the experience for the people who do show up, I don't know. I was sort of relieved to hear their their pitch. I felt like what I have heard this recently sounds pretty good. I think it makes sense for the market. And so I'm not terribly upset i think it's an inevitable fact of life that 
public money is going to be involved, I am glad that they're already sort of saying that it won't be 100% publicly funded. Um, I'm glad that Orchard Park is probably going to, you know, maybe you can build around Orchard Park now. I think that's part of the idea. We should go to our resident or our, our original Buffalonian, Paul, to get his further take on it. I could read it, Paul. Like, I mean, I could sit here and yell about public public financing, but I've done that, and it's not right. going to change the fact that that's what's going to happen. So let's let's focus on kind of our thoughts on the stadium and the process and and what what you think is going on. Right. Uh, for Frank's opinion on that, I direct them to uh, the season season three episode six preseason kinks when Frank goes off on this very topic. So feel free to give that a listen. So yeah, I'm largely with. With Frank, I and I'll give a quick story of my time in Cleveland when my wife and I visited about six years ago. Was that I guess 2015? Yeah, so six, maybe seven years ago, 2014. And we just got out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're walking around the waterfront. I thought, oh, the Brown Stadium is around here. Let me go look at it. And here we are. Maybe at that point, it was a Labor Day weekend, so week week before the the opener. And there, in the middle of this uh, nicely. Beautiful, nicely refurbished, beautiful waterfront in downtown area is a giant monolith stadium surrounded by vacant parking lots near bars that are completely empty. And that is what would happen in a city like Buffalo, which is even smaller than than far smaller than Cleveland, uh, 357 ish days a year, because as wonderful as that type of stadium would be, the the fantasy stadium downtown 80,000 people with a roof uh that is simply it makes no sense to do that in the the city of buffalo as much as that is a it's a great dream i i have that dream too it would have been wonderful if they'd you know converted the central terminals uh, train station there which is beautiful and made it part of the stadium or put it right where silo city is with the bending of the waters and you can kayak to the stadium again beautiful fantasy world stuff in reality you have a city which did grow in population, but you know you've got about 1.2 million people in the area. You don't have a stupendous economy there. You you know you have when with a smaller population, you can't really have an 80,000 seat stadium and expect to fill it during the years when they're not a Super Bowl contender. So I think as much as it's kind of like oh, so they're staying in Orchard Park and they're building what would currently be the small stadium in the NFL. I don't think either of those things are bad. I think it's probably the right decision. The Pagulas have for years been studying this. They sent out surveys to pretty much the entirety of anyone who is interested to participate in them. And so I think that inevitably ends up being the proper call. As far as the money goes, I don't want to go too much into it because we don't know yet. It's not going to be 100% paid for by the citizens or taxes, it's not going to be 100% paid for by the Pagulas. It will be some sort of split, as is done in, you know, other other places. And people talk about, oh, you have, you know, they paid for it all in New Jersey. Well, that hosts two teams. So you've got 16 plus games a year. Plus, it's New York City or outside New York City. So you get all these special events. You can have an association with that. It makes a lot more sense for there than for here to be fully owner funded. So. I think this is the right decision. I'm looking forward to seeing the new stadium. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, you know, big thing or nice things come in smaller packages. So I really expect this to be a, a smaller footprint, beautiful stadium when it's it's done. If it gets done, knock on wood. I have two minor points to add. I agree with pretty much everything. One is um, if you look at the finances, um, it is increasing 
um, and will probably only increase further. Probably. There's a small chance, I guess, that this could not, not turn out. But most of the money that NFL teams run on comes from the TV deal. And the TV deal is is fixed, and you could play in a high school football field as long as it was NFL regulations. Like you would still get the TV money. So on some level, it's really not a good business practice for you to then spend a ton amount of money to build a stadium that doesn't actually guarantee you that much money. Yeah, sure, you'll make money off of the ticket sales and the gate, um, and the merchandise and the the concessions and all that other stuff. But uh, as Paul said, uh, you 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 risk losing you know some of the TV audience um, when you have to black out a game because you don't sell it out in the local market. Um, and then the other issue is, yeah, you're just it's just not it just doesn't make as much sense. The other thing is, yeah, I, I think a great there's obviously you all have dream stadiums and, and, and great ideas and, and that could work. But a small stadium can still be loud and intimidating. Um, you know, definitely they will say one of the toughest places for college football players to play is an Austin stadium in Oregon. And that stadium doesn't fit more than I think it's like 45 or 50,000 people. But it's it's right on top of people. There's there's not there's no big um, between the acoustics and just the the closeness to the field. It actually gets you most of the way um, to being a really kind of loud, intimidating thing. So I, I think it'll still be a great environment regardless of 60,000 or 70,000 or 80,000. So. That's it. Did we have questions this week? We did. We did. We had a fair number. And I, I'll ask me, okay. I'll ask the first one just because Stephen had one on August 31st, and I do not want to lose <laughs> track of that. Okay. So I yes. scrolled all the way down to it so I don't miss it. And Stephen said, I always miss your pre-pod announcements. Sometimes I don't have them, Stephen, so it's not always uh, not just you. So I'll float this one now. What do you think is the minimum? Draft capital the Bills should accept in exchange for Mitch T being Mitch Trubisky. My answer is going to be, uh, as it was to Steven, it is a second round pick. QBs are premium. Uh, and I welcome your guys' thoughts on on that. Uh, I guess, but I my real answer is I don't want to trade him because he he seems uh, good. Oh, I don't want to either. That's why I'm yeah. saying you need at least a second round pick. For yeah. Me. So in that, for me, it's like, I, I think I'd, I'd be just say here, give me a first rounder because I don't really want to trade him at all. So the price is higher for me. Um, I think, um, I think I'm, yeah. I mean, I think you're, what we're saying kind of is that, uh, you know, on value, I'm not sure Mitch Trubisky is a first certainly round. not the yeah. fourth overall pick worth of value right Probably bears disagreed a, but yes yeah exactly but they've been proven wrong so i'd say i would actually be comfortable in terms of strict value end of third maybe fourth rounder i would be willing to entertain a third round pick but yes i do agree that in some ways a good backup um, could be the difference between home field advantage or you know, winning a playoff game where the quarterback has to come out because of a concussion or something, and maybe you're ahead and you just need someone who can run the offense and kind of stay ahead. So mm-hmm. yeah, it would it would. It, I'm not sure a third round pick would do it, um, even if it, the value for Trubisky as a player is not there. It's a good question because I think you're right. I think he's worth differently to different people on different teams as opposed to just having his own value. And I think to quote, uh, just to jump in with the last thought on this, Brandon Bean was interviewed in an article today in The Athletic by Tim Graham, and they brought up the the quarterback position. And he specifically said, unlike with 
Matt Barkley, uh, and I'll just quote Brand directly, his skill set is very similar from an athletic standpoint to Josh. I don't know if anybody has Josh's arm, but Mitch has a strong arm. Brian Dable does not have to alter the menu, so to speak, when Mitch comes in the game versus Matt Barkley, who is just more of a pocket passer. Nothing wrong with that, but Mitch more aligns with Josh's skills. So I agree with you, Brandon, I, and I agree with you both that, you know, we I do really want to keep him. So it's going to require a, a higher than his actual value pick for me to part with him. Yeah. Um, we, Stephen also said that on the, on one of the YouTube previews of the Bills Steelers game, all 10 experts picked the Bills with four thinking it would be my more by more than two scores. He gets nervous when 10 experts all agree on something. I, I suppose that's fair, but also when we get to the Bills Steelers game, I'll be really surprised if anyone here is not going to pick the Bills. Um, but you'll have to stay tuned, Stephen. Uh, let me scroll up past all the crying. I think about... I'll say briefly on that. That is that is the that is the kind of the the fallacy of individual predictions. Like any one person is correct in the idea that the Bills have a better probability of winning the game. Mm-hmm. But just because any individual person picks them does not change the fact that the Steelers have zero percent chance to win. They <laughs> all agree that that the Bills have a 70-30 chance to to win. And therefore, if you were going to pick one, you would pick the 70. Um, so it's so it is it is. Yes, I think it, it would be misreading to say that they all think it's 100 percent chance the Bills would win. But I agree. It does give me the willies as well. So. <laughs> right. It's like, is Juan Soto comes up, is he going to he- get a hit this at bat? 70% odds say, no, he won't get a hit this at bat. But Juan Soto seems to get a lot of hits. So, yeah. Yeah. Let me read the question so you can save your voice for our brief this day in Bill's mm-hmm. headlines. Josh asks, which of you cried the longest during and after Lars's closing monologue on Monday's Bills and Beers? We will not be answering that question, Josh. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> Joe, how long with how long I think it's supposed to be how long will Tremaine Edmonds be young? Um, question forever to me because I'm in yeah, my forties. I think uh, young is a state of heart. Um, let me let me refine Joe's question. Let's say how long will Tremaine Edmonds get the pass of he is young um, and doesn't have to perform like the linebacker we think he's supposed to be. I think this is his make or break year personally uh, for, for contract money, at least with the bills. So I think his quote unquote youth ends this year. Yeah, I'd agree. Turned 23 back in May. So that is still young. So it's okay to say he is still young, but this will be the completion of his fourth NFL season. So we'll, we'll know, we'll know this year, whether he's, he's already franchised. So he's going to be, with the Bills of fifth season, but if he's going to get that big second contract, this year will be pretty telling. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think, I, I forget if, I think we had a WhatsApp discussion that I don't know if we shared with the broader crowd. There was some mm-hmm. interesting analysis about Tremaine Edmonds and um, like relative to other NFL linebackers in pass rush, win rate, run stops, and completion percentage against. And basically... I think the the fundamental I mean, it was obviously it's it's per snap in each of those categories. So the less snaps that you have in certain things, the the greater the chance that you're going to get some bad numbers when you're doing a statistical analysis. But um, he was fairly mediocre against both uh, stopping against both with both pass rushing and I think in coverage, I think was the two. And it was really only run stop. Was he kind of above average? The other two, he was mediocre at best. Um, so 
yes, we all know the tools. We all see the talent. Um, that's all there. But the but yeah, this is the year that it's got to come together. Otherwise, yeah, I don't really know how much more. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be under contract. I think we exercised the fifth year option, right? Yeah, so coming mm-hmm. next year. But then after that, yeah, it's it's definitely debatable whether or not he's worth keeping around. Um, so yeah. How Joe then asks, how long until Dot Knox <clears throat> has a big drop that sends Bills Mafia to the edge? That that's a bit of a sassy question, Joe. <clears throat> I have to say that's why we call him Sassy Joe Chernowski. <clears throat> sassy Joe, Joe Chernowski. I'm gonna say it's week one. He'll have a big drop, and everyone will get annoyed, and then he's gonna play fine the rest of the year. I would say that was 2019. That's that I will say uh, I'll say against the the Chiefs this year I have a big drop and it's going to be costly and we're gonna so that's what week five ish thereabouts so yeah will it'll he he is gonna piss us off the drop so I I'm I'm with with Joe on this one and then lastly Joe wants to know who will end the season as the Bills offensive line uh, guards. I feel like I really want to be on a future uh, episode uh, issue of Who's Bad Take that Frank puts together. So, Frank, bookmark this pod uh, for this opinion. I'm going to say at the end of the season, the Bills' two starting guards will be, and I'll give the barring injury caveat because I don't want to do a cop-out. I'm going to say it's John Feliciano. I'm going to say it's Ryan Bates. I'm going to say they're disappointed in how Cody Ford is working out. And I think they are pleased with like Butker, but they recognize his shortcomings and Brandon Bean has had opportunities to really jump uh, to Cody Ford's defense and has not done it. And they've even come out straight and said for the opener, they might be rotating guards and Cody Brandon Bean was excited to get you. We have him on video being super excited when you weren't drafted. So he could then go ahead and pick you. And yet, you know, here you are. Now it's now it's time, man. Third season, you got to step up, and I don't necessarily know if I see him doing it. Yeah, I I I think I would say Feliciano. I would say Feliciano and Ford, just because I don't know that I trust. I don't think Bates or Betker is bad enough to beat Ford. Not that Ford is anything to this point more than mediocre, but it's just I don't think there's anybody better and. Given there's nobody better, ride with the more the player with the, arguably the best potential, which presumably is the guy with the higher draft pick and where the team's invested more. But I wouldn't be surprised if someone else got in there. Um, George wants to know if the Bills are going to win the whole goddamn thing. And George, we will answer your. Well, I don't know if we're going to answer yeah, that question. Well, I mean, we we give our season predictions. I'm sure we do have a season prediction. Well, we have are going to do our Bills 2021 record prediction and the first quarter prediction. I don't think I'm going to make you guys answer whether they're going to win the whole thing or not. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'll think about it during this day in Bill's headlines because part of me doesn't want to jinx it. Not, And part of me is also like, I don't know. Like, what do you, If I say yes, is that going to make you feel better? If I say no, is that going to make you feel better? It's not exactly a soup question, George. That's what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> um, you should go watch Finding Forrester. This day in Bill's headlines, we have a, a brief one, I am told, yes? Yes. Uh, you should absolutely not watch Finding Forrester. For the Are you kidding me? That's a I, great movie. It's, a, it's you an not, okay movie. You don't I, like Finding Forrester? I didn't dislike it, but I'm not going to you know, spend oh. I mean, valuable currency on it. Do you oh. have an opinion on Finding Forrester here, Scott, to break the tie? No. Okay. Damn it. One, well, one, should, and one on Finding I think Forrester. Scott has to watch it now and, and decide. Well, George, what? if you haven't seen it, go watch it, and then next week circle back with your opinion on yeah. Finding Forrester. 
You're the I man will, now, dog. Yeah, I will honor George's opinion uh, as the official opinion of the podcast if he watches it and right. gets back to us. Okay. So, the same Bill's headlines. Here are the rules this week, gentlemen. <laughs> One week only because we are on a tight schedule and magically we're only at the 40-minute mark right now. Uh, we have five headlines, five recent September 9th headlines from the last six seasons. I will quickly read a headline. In a couple instances, I have hints. Uh, you will have five seconds. I am pulling up my stopwatch now okay. from when I read the end of the clue to guess the name. And you're going to have some where you're going to be like, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I just can't. Too, too bad. Five seconds is the rule here. So here we go. This is the first one. September 9th, 2020. Bill signed ex-Packers receiver blank to practice squad. Jake Kumarow? Yes. So with there two seconds go. to go, Scott gets in there. These are all wide receivers. I meant to give you that hint. If I did not, okay. I apologize. So that's a <laughs> yeah, to go through these five. Good one. will help you on some of the more obscure ones. <laughs> okay. 2019. Blank puts on a record-setting performance in his Bills debut. Blank's 123 yards were the most by a Bills receiver in week one since Eric Moulds recorded 147 on September 12, 1999 in Indianapolis. Colby? No, it's John no, Brown. Colby. John, John Brown, Brown, Scott again. Yes. That time with a second and a half to go. All right, 2018. I don't think you guys have a chance on this, but I will give a very quick, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll change the rules for this. You get three seconds, and then I give you a quick hint, and you okay. get 10 seconds. All right, so ex-Husker blank, blindsided after being cut by Bills. Brandon Riley. Brandon Riley, holy shit, Scott. I'm sorry, we've got to make this an explicit pod now because you just jumped in with that before I could even give my combined the Bills GM with the former Lakers and Miami Heat head coach. <laughs> oh, my and God. Scott is on fire. All right, here we go. 2017, Bills blank, eager to catch on as season kicks off against Jets. Philly is unapologetically truthful, he said. At the end of the day, Philly has great fans. I'm playing now for one of the best fan bases That's in football. Jordan Matthews. Jordan Matthews. Oh, Jordan Matthews. Matthews, damn it. Yeah. That's all right, Frank. Frank, Frank, need to get on the board. All right, last one, guys. 2015, former Syracuse and Buffalo Bills wide receiver blank reportedly suspended three games by NFL. He was cut by the Bills in December after the team traded a sixth-round pick to acquire him before the season, catching only eight passes for 142 yards and one TD. No idea. Uh, going out on a loser, and all you guys had to do was just yell the name when you don't know the answer. Williams. What's, Williams. Just yell Williams. Mike Williams. Mike Williams. Former Syracuse receiver. Good job, gentlemen. Four out of five. Scott. Scott with a three-to-one victory on this one. Uh, and that was this day in Bill's headlines for September 9th. Very good. No who's bad take this week. We're going to table that because we are going to get to our quarter of the season predictions and our Bill's 2021 record, which Paul correctly points out. We should just combine all of that because it's all the same thing. Yep. Um, I don't go first often, so I'll go first. Bills are going to go 4-0 and to start the season. So let me get that out of the way. They're going to beat Miami on the road. Washington, I think, will be a tougher game than we think it, it might be. But I think they're going to win that. And Houston is a dumpster fire that their quarterback doesn't even want to play for. And if they don't beat Houston, uh, I'll be very vexed. So those are three wins. And when we talk about Pittsburgh, I'll explain why I think they're going to beat Pittsburgh. Um, The Bills 2021 record. I don't know, man. 
they're playing a first place schedule. I think Tennessee is tough. I think Tampa is tough. I think Kansas City is tough. I think you could throw one more game in there, but I'm not convinced that they will lose all three of those games necessarily. So I'm very keen to pick a, a, a record like 14 and three or 13 and four. So I think I'm going to pick 13 and four um, plus or minus a game. I think that, you know, the East is is six wins. I, I really think that like there's no reason that, that that shouldn't be six wins. And I think that a couple of the other teams that they play, they're just they're the superior team. And last year when they were the superior team, I think they lost one game where they were the they lost one game where they were the superior team and and and, and played like it because they lost to Kansas City. They lost to Tennessee where they might have been the better team, but they certainly didn't play like it that week. And then really it was the it was the Arizona game that got away mm-hmm. from them. And nothing else got away from them. And I am fully convinced that, like, uh, I am I am on board now that a McDermott team is not going to lose games that they sh- that they shouldn't. So for me, I think 13 and four is is where I'm sitting. Um, Scott, what do you think? Uh, give us your your. Uh, yeah. Give us your stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I'll take four now. I mean, I, it, I mean, it's. If 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 I, I agree and I'll also say I also like thirteen and four. Uh, I was reading Barnwell's column. Strict uh, Pythagorean math would say the Bills should have won more like eleven or twelve games last year, or excuse me, like more like eleven or ten games, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were better in close games. He said they had a preternatural ability, I think, to win games by more than, um, but win games by like eight points. And his formula for like a close game store score is like seven. So he's like. It, it's kind of like if they were closer in one or two of those games, it might not have thrown. It would have, they would have maybe come back to the margin, uh, come back to the mean on some of this. Mm-hmm. But that said, I don't think the other um, two teams, for those who didn't read his article, um, out of the top five teams he picked to regress, the other two teams, I think the other three teams he picked to regress, uh, three out of the five were the Chiefs, the Browns, and the Titans. So okay. basically, the three other <laughs> major AFC contenders, other than really Baltimore, um, because just I think that's the thing is when you get to that elite level of performance, it's a just but strictly by nature you're going to kind of fall back to the mean, and also the the averages don't account for exceptionally good teams. Like most teams are not exceptionally good. Right. Most teams are fairly mediocre. Um, so the Bills, and I think, just, are. Go ahead. Finish. Finish up. Sorry are an exceptional team. I think if they're going to go 13 and four, they're going to have some four and no stretches. I think this is one of them. I think Miami, as we've always talked about, like until Tua beats us, I don't think he's going to, you can pick him. Um, I think I'm a little worried about Washington, but I'm not terribly worried. Um, just, I think, because it's, it is on the road, if I'm not mistaken. And then. Nope, that's in Buffalo. No, it's at home. Then I'm even less concerned. And then, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Houston is a dumpster fire. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I think there's there's plenty of, of potholes and, and hills to climb this season. But I think um, if we get past the Steelers in week one, which I think we will, I think uh, I think we'll, we'll be in four now. I was just going to say as a quick aside, Baltimore may have lost a running back and a cornerback for the year today at practice. They, there was some horrific deal on back-to-back plays, and there might be a couple of torn ACLs there. So Jesus, they might not even... They might already be shot out of the gate here, but we'll have they to might, keep this year's Niners. Yeah, they they might be in a lot of trouble. So, um, you know, 
Not, you know, not my problem. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> the bus and Marcus Peters. Yikes. Yes. Yeah, no, it, 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 it could hurt. Um, Paul, uh, finish this up and then yep. by all means, get us started on Pittsburgh. I got, I'm going to pull up all the odds I can find on Pittsburgh bills. Yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, I will, um, I'm going to be the, the one who, who, uh, I can't think of the word and it's driving me nuts. I will not have the same pay. I'm going to pick three and one to start the season. I will pick the bills to beat Pittsburgh with some, some more in-depth analysis coming momentarily. Once I get through this two, I think is the the loss. I think it's going to be that week two game at Miami. The bills are a superior team to Miami. There, Scott is dead on on that. Uh, but I think back to the 1990 season, the bills went 13 and three that season. Their only loss was to, uh, the, one of those losses was at Washington at the end of the year when they had Gail Gilbert playing quarterback because they had already clinched everything. But week two of that year, they went to Miami and they got crushed 30 to seven. And that was their first Super Bowl season. I am not saying, oh, it's because fate they're This is bound to happen. They're going to lose Miami week two and then get to the Super Bowl. It is more that I think every team is going to lose to an inferior opponent at some point during the season. Almost always it it happens. I think Miami on the road is going to be tough. Uh, and I think they beat Washington. I think that is a closer game. I think Fitz is going to do some things in Houston, which I may go to because I will be in Buffalo that weekend. Uh, I think, yeah, Houston is just trash right now. So I say three and one with a loss to Miami while conceding to you both that you are correct in that Buffalo's a superior team to Miami and should in fact win that game. Uh, the Bills 2021 in record, I will, uh, you know, not be a nonconformist on this. I'm going to also say 13 and four, uh, with, with give or take. I think, uh, I just realized when we do this, we can't break the season to quite quarters anymore because we're going to have, we should have done the first four games and then the first quarter of week five against the chiefs. That yeah. would have been hilarious. That would have uh, been. Because that'll be the quarter season mark officially. So I'll have right. to do a five-game preview at some point. Yes. But yeah, looking at the schedule, there are some soft spots. There are some tough spots, uh, speaking about in very general terms. And but this is a damn good team. It's the best team on paper that we have had in at least 25, if not 30 years. Uh, you know, so I think this is going to be good. So with that in mind, I will transition us into the Pittsburgh game. Frank is pointing up all the odds. The last I, I saw was, yep. was six, six and a half. And a half. Yep. yep. With a with a total points of forty eight and a half, and uh, um, yeah, that's the only two things that are here. Right. So. The over under is this. I would not bet the over under in this game. This is that's a tricky a tight, to call. Yeah. Because it, in one sense, you like well, the Bills have this big dynamic offense, but you also have a Steelers offense, and especially if Star Lutalele is out, he's the only bill on the do not practice list uh, yesterday and today, mm-hmm. though today they just did a basic walkthrough and tomorrow he'll have one last chance to practice. Emmanuel Sanders is the other player who was uh, listed as limited in practice. Everyone else was full go who was hurt. You know, Pittsburgh might try and run the ball with Najee Harris a lot to try to win this game. The bill, the bills had a really tough time with Pittsburgh for half of the last game, which would definitely make you think it'd be tough to get over and over under a 48 and a half. They didn't do it last time. So it could be under, but then we've seen the explosiveness of this bill's offense. We see that often in week one, the offenses are ahead of the defenses. So maybe big, big Ben will come out throwing and Josh will come out throwing and we will have a, an absolute barn burner of a game. I, I do expect Pittsburgh to try to attack the bills on the ground where they're, they had a weakness the last couple seasons. Will they have a weakness this year? Or they, they you know, helped to tighten that up? We'll see. Um, 
but you got there's a reason the spread is six and a half. The Bills are that good of a squad. I think by the end of the season, they are going to be several games better than Pittsburgh, perhaps even more than that, because Pittsburgh is in a very tough division. And they also have to play Kansas City, which is not easy for Pittsburgh either. So I am going to say that the Bills take this one. I don't want to say it's convincing fashion. In fact, I do not think they cover, uh, but I do think they win this one 24 to 20. Oh, wow. Okay. Scott, do you want to take a different approach here? Um, I think the Bills will win. I think it will be more comfortable. I think um, even if Roethlisberger is, 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 is healthier and fresh as he's going to be at, at his age at this point, functionally just they don't have the receiving talent that they that they've had in years past um Najee Harris is a is a good player and a good back and I think he's gonna he's gonna pose problems for the AFC in future years but he's still just a running back I don't think he's gonna change the game quite so soon even if the bills it gives me some pause I mean obviously again like I think the smart money's on the Bills. I'm not saying the Steelers have no chance, and I think if they were going to win, it looks a lot like Najee Harris looks like young Saquon Barkley, and he puts up close to two Bills, and Pittsburgh eats the clock, and they win, you know, 21, you know, 20 or something like that. But I think that's probably not going to happen. I think Allen is able to do some nice things. I think he's we've been able to neutralize um, for the most part T.J. Watt in the past. I think Pittsburgh's the rest of Pittsburgh's defense is a is not overrated, but it has lost a lot of good caliber players like Bud Dupree through the years. So I'll put this one at Bills thirty, uh, Steelers twenty. You just took my score. That's the score I wanted, <laughs> Scott. So I'm gonna have to say thirty one nineteen. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I barely I'm picking the over, you you guys. No, well, that's actually what I was going to say. It's kind of a it's a weird spot to 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 be in because, you know, Odd Sharks has the projected score as twenty six point four to nineteen point eight, and you know that's a that's a six and a half more than six and a half point victory, right? Twenty if it was twenty seven mm-hmm. twenty, you'd cover, but not get to the over of forty eight and a half. I think I think somewhere in that range is fine. You know, what, I'll do that. I'll say twenty seven twenty. I, I I'm sort of happy to let the Steelers run the ball by all means run the ball because I don't really think that Josh Allen and Brian Dable and the the band being back together at home in front of fans is going to do anything except have an opening day party and it's going to happen all over the fucking Steelers and I'm very ready and happy for it so I could see this game getting silly I could see this game also being kind of closer I mean I, I I not dissing on Paul here um I'll, I'll close with this Keith Butler of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense when they asked him about Allen being a big quarterback with the size and ability to phys- physically finish his runs like a running back he said I hope he does try to finish his runs like a running back we'll we will treat him like a running back if he wants to be treated like a running back we'll do that too and I think Keith Butler is asking for an ass kicking <laughs> and I I'm so happy that someone is probably going to kick his stupid ass um no I whatever Josh Allen doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do now he I think that the uh the passing offense comes out I think Devin Singletary uh shows off a little his some of his new his new moves i.e running forward and I think that the the Bills defense um keys in on a on a on a team that is really sort of um Missing weapons, as was said. So I, I'm I'm happy to take the bills here too. We would love to hear your thoughts on the season at MNY Bills or 
facebook.com uh, forward slash bvillsmny. Um, you know, if you uh, like this show, if you like Buffalo Bills, uh, the, the Bills and Beers podcast, we don't do that show, but um, we'd love to have you anyway because we are doing what we can over here. Um, we really do uh, appreciate all of you listening. It's been it's it's such a weird thing to think that we sort of just kind of kept doing this, guys, for fun. And mm-hmm. we've sort of fallen into this spot where we've been doing it longer than anybody. And there's a good chance we've done more episodes than anybody. And that doesn't equate to popularity. We've certainly never strived for that. But um, it's also because you guys do listen on some level that kept us going, certainly at, at a lot of times. And uh, we're really thankful for that. And we would love it if you kept doing that. So uh, until next time, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy it. We're excited to talk about a Bills victory next week. Uh, and until then, I'm Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everybody.